I'm Monica Schmelter. I'm glad that you could join me today for Bridges. Today, we're going to be studying out of John chapter 17. And as I re read this to prepare and studied this, and I'm sure many of you have heard uh, from John chapter 17, this prayer that Jesus prayed on behalf of his disciples at that time and all who would follow and would believe later. It's a beautiful prayer. It is the big reveal of Jesus' heart of where he is at this time and place. And we've been studying the book of John chapter by chapter and in context. So in the last lesson, which I titled, This is What You Need to Know, Jesus said a lot of really hard things to the disciples to prepare them that, you know, suffering is ahead. I'm going to have to leave. And he was basically sharing with them, I don't want you to lose your faith over this. And he concludes John 16, 33. And of course, we people, we're the ones that put the chapters and the verses, but that conversation ended with, take heart because I've overcome the world. So as we pick up today in John 17, so it says after saying these things, so he's talking about after having just said, take heart because he's overcome the world. Then it says, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought you glory. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So as I look at just those first five passages of Scripture, notice that in this time, that has to be so critical for Jesus. Because even though he's the Son of God, he laid aside his deity to walk on earth, to invest in disciples, and to, in his mission statement found in Luke, to seek and save the lost. He realizes now that the time of this earthly mission is coming to a close. And that's what he means when he says in his prayer, Father, the hour has come, the time has come. So he realizes that this transition and this season in his life, that's over and it's going to look so much different for the disciples without him. And he's expressing to the father, I brought you glory by the work that I did here on earth. So you look at these final moments on earth as a man before the day that changed everything, before the resurrection. And he's wrapping it all up and he's helping to prepare the disciples and he's setting that stage but it's also the big reveal of his heart that in the hardest time of his ministry, the most challenging, the most important time, the time when very soon the weight of the sin of all the world will be laid on him. And only he, only the shedding of his blood can win our forgiveness. That he is saying things like, Father, the hours come. I brought you glory 
by the work that I did on the earth. Now, let me return to you so that we can have the glory that we once shared before the world began. You know, have you ever heard that saying that, you know, when um, we're in hot water, that that's when our true colors show. And that's true, right? Because whatever's really in there, when there's enough squeeze, when there's enough pressure, that comes out of our mouth. That's like a big reveal. But for Jesus, all the earthly pressure, the soon coming weight of sin, the pain and the anguish of knowing that the disciples are mostly going to be scattered for a short time, like Jesus knows this. He knows that his mom is going to watch him die that brutal death on the cross. He knows this. And yet his prayer, his heart, the big reveal there is, God, I've been faithful. I brought you glory. I've done what you asked me to do on this earth. And I think about our lives. And is that my heart when I'm in hot water, when the pressure's on? when there's a crisis, when there's a challenge, is my heart process, Father, I'm bringing you glory by how I'm handling this because I just, I just want to bring you honor. I just, I want to bring you glory. Um, I want to finish the work here while I'm still here. I want to do your work. Or is my prayer like, I just really want to take this test, God, and I just really want to get this over, and I just want to move on to the next thing, whatever that is. Because so much of the time, that is the truth. I just sort of like want to click past this difficulty and get to a better time, and yet that's not what Jesus is doing at all. He is prayerfully preparing, and the disciples are seeing and they are watching him in this moment of crisis and how his heart is to remain connected to his father. And so the lesson for you and the lesson for me is that when we are in these times, that maybe we're just not sure we can do this one more day, that if God doesn't do something, if he doesn't come through, we can't stand it one minute longer. Is our heart, God, just help me to bring you glory in this. Because that's the heart of a servant. That's the heart of a disciple. And truth number one in this first part of his Jesus prayer in John 17 is one of the things that he expresses there is that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And so, well, for those of us that are believers in Christ, we know this, right? We know this. Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the way. Nobody gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Except that there are so many teachings today that contradict that. There's even a universalist kind of teaching that they want to say is Christian. And they just say basically, no, as long as you believe in a higher power, it's all the same God. And you all, again, people can say and do whatever they want to because we all have a free will. So, Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. 
Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. That's the thing. We can do that. But we will all have consequences for whatever choices and for whatever commitments um, that we make. And so if we commit to Christ and we commit to following his word, we have to understand truth number one. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. There is no way to eternal life in heaven with God forever without knowing Jesus as Savior. Now, the difference with Jesus, as opposed to other world religions that are out there today and people are flocking to by the masses and multitudes, is that Jesus stretches his arms out wide and he says, whosoever will come, I will in no wise ever cast out. Everybody is invited to know Jesus as Savior. There's no asterisk there. There's no out clauses. There are no exceptions. Anybody can come. But to come, we must believe. We must have faith. We are required to believe that God's word is true, that it is forever settled in heaven, that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will stand forever. So truth number one, Jesus is the only way to eternal life, regardless of how attractive other religions might be made to be. And you all, there are people who to follow like whoever their God is or whatever that religion is, I mean, they meet some stringent requirements, right? There are people who go from door to door to door in the hot sun and in these troubling times because they think that if you don't believe the way that they do, that you're not getting to heaven. But the thing is, they don't believe in Christ, but they go through rigorous training and harsh discipline to attain, to think that by good works that they can make it. And so certainly the Bible says faith without works is dead but it is faith first and the works have to be coming out of faith. We don't get saved by works. That's not how this works. So if we're living in a land of striving to please God with how good we are, what good things we can do, you can just take all that pressure out right now because the big reveal, the prayer that Jesus just prayed in John chapter 17, just said, Jesus is the only way to eternal life. It has nothing to do with good works. Now, when we know him, of course, we will do good things because we're made in his image and we're born again. And Ephesians 2.10 says that we were created long ago to do good works. So we were created for good, but it is not by our own goodness that we are saved. It is through Jesus. And then Jesus goes on in this prayer. Let's pick up in verse nine. He says, my prayer is not for the world, but for those that you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father, and you have given me your name. Now protect them 
by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name that you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as scriptures foretold. And of course, that last verse there is speaking of Judas. Judas did not stay the course. Instead, and and we will read later, we have the benefit of having the entire Bible, uh, as they will learn later, that, that Judas gives up his place to betray the Son of God. But think about this prayer, the things that Jesus is saying in these passages of Scripture. He's talking about how united that he is with the Father, how his desire is that we would be united with him and with each other, just as he is united with the Father. This big reveal about Jesus' heart is amazing. If you just think about the amount of pressure that he's under at this point, and what does he care about? He cares about his Father, and he cares about us. He cares about us staying connected. He cares about that he's leaving, that he's leaving this world, but we are in this world, that we are not of the world. And if you skip down a few verses in Scripture, in verse 15, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. You all, we need to understand in this big reveal, in this prayer, that he's praying for our safety. He's praying that we will not be sifted by the evil one. His concern as our savior, as our good shepherd, even as he gets to return to the glory that he once shared with his father, we're still on his heart. We're still in this big revealed prayer. And he's like, God, you know, my time here is coming to a close and I get to come back to you. But watch over these. Watch over these that you've given me and protect them by the power of your name. They don't, I love this in verse 16. It says, they don't belong to the world any more than I do. When he saves us, he completely separates us out of this world. And I want to say this about not belonging to the world. I don't say that at all to put down people that don't know Christ yet, because I don't feel that way. Scripture is clear His mission was to seek and save the lost, that his will, his desire is that none would perish. My heart's cry is, God, as many people that can come to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's see that happen. Every single day that we get one more day is one more day for people to give their hearts to Christ. But part of what this is speaking to about not belonging to this world, this world is not our home. So we will never be completely comfortable here. We can chase after pleasure and good times and fun and try to make this world our home and feel at ease in it. And we're just never going to totally, because this isn't it. This is not our home. We are living under the weight of sin. He said, no, Monica, I'm declared righteous by faith in Christ. Yes, we are. But we still have a sin nature. And we know that because the Bible says that. Right? The book of Romans, Paul says, when I want to do good, there's evil right there with me. He's talking about the battle, the battle between our sin nature and our spirit that's been born again by the spirit of God. So if you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, I really don't like fallen planet Earth and this is not all that comfortable. You know, we're not supposed to like it. We weren't made for it. 
We were made for more. We were made for relationship with Christ. We were made for communion with the creator of the universe. And you all, how and why he chose us, I'll never know. But scripture, John 15 says, we didn't choose him. He chose us and he ordained us to bear fruit and fruit that will remain, which speaks of us living a productive, meaningful life. And so when you hear about the unrest in the world and when you have problems in your local church and when other Christians hurt you or family members don't get you or they don't understand you, yes, you you know, we have to acknowledge it. Like we have to process those things, but we also have to understand in the scope of life, this is not our home. We weren't made for this world. God never designed us to live under the weight of sin. In fact, he hated so much that we fell that he gave his only son so that we could be redeemed. So there's a certain amount of angst and a certain amount of unrest. You know, the book of Corinthians says all of creation, all of creation, like the plants, the flowers, the trees, (laughs) people, we groan for our eternal home. We are groaning in the spirit, so to speak, for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this big reveal, Jesus is laying it all out. And let's pick up in verse 20 there, where he says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. So truth number two for today in the big reveal is Jesus prays for all of his followers to be made holy. Think about it. Of all the things that he could pray, and he prays for holy. Holy speaks literally of wholeness not broken, not shattered by sin, not devastated by the things of the world, but wholly intact. His word says we're to be holy as he is holy. And honestly, because he is holy and because he has chosen to allow all those that will will repent to be reconciled, we can walk in holiness of all the things that he could have prayed, of all the directions he could have gone, he went in, I pray for these disciples and for all who will believe through these disciples' message, I pray for them to be made holy. I know that so much of holiness has been made about to be uh, in some regard and in some circles how we dress And if you can wear makeup, and if you can cut your hair, if you can't, and if you can listen to XYZ music, or if you can't. So let's not debate about the things that we're never going to agree about anyway. But holiness, God is holy. If we walk in holiness, and as we seek the Spirit of God, then supernaturally, our desires will change so that we will want to dress in a way, you know, that's modest. You know, people have all these rules and blah, blah, blah. You all, if you're obeying God and following the Holy Spirit, 
it's not about the length of your hair, really, or, or some prescribed uniform that we would wear. Though if that's what you think you need to do and you feel that by the Spirit of God, I don't challenge that. I'm, I'm just saying holiness cannot be relegated to a way of dress or a hairstyle or even music. God is holy. When we accept Christ as our Savior, He cleanses us and makes us holy. He says we are to be holy as He is holy. And that is about us being made new in the Spirit so that we are born again, that we are alive in Christ, and that we are dead to sin. That's much more a part of holiness than what kind of outfit that you wear. I am alive in Christ and dead to sin. If you know Christ, he's made you alive in Christ and dead to sin. Dead people don't struggle with sin. Dead people are not tempted by sin. Why? Because they're dead. So it's saying we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, a sacrifice that's living, right? And so when that sin nature pops up, what we do is Holy Spirit, course correct me, convict me, show me when I sin so that I can repent and turn from that and so that I can walk in holiness. That's the kind of holiness that Jesus is talking about. Let's pick up again in scripture in verse 22. Jesus in this big revealed prayer prays, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then you can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples you sent me, I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Truth number three is that Jesus prays for perfect unity. And perfect unity, you all, we have never seen it. And when I look at my life with the help of the Holy Spirit, I can see so many places in which I could live in more perfect unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Scripture talks about why all the divisions, the arguments, it's all because we want our own way. And then somehow in our Christianity, we bring, well, not only do I want my own way, but guys, like, I'm really sure this is what God wants. So this is just how we're all going to do this. And you look at this big revealed prayer in John 17, and you see that there's none of that. There is none of that. Jesus talks about eternal life being available through him. He talks about holiness. He talks about the unity that he and his father share and his heart that we would have that kind of unity. Now, in a fallen world, that kind of unity does not come naturally, right? Because even in our churches and even in the midst of our Christian families, we hurt each other's feelings. We, we overlook things that we shouldn't. We say things that we shouldn't. We judge 
things that we have no idea. Like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Well, the thing is, I'm not that person, so what difference does it make whether I would do that or I wouldn't do that? That's arrogance and pride, and you all, I've been there so many times I couldn't even count. But as we study the big revealed prayer and we look at John 17 and Jesus in the final stretch of his life on earth, He's praying to the Father. He's praying to the Father. He's asking for our protection from the evil one. He's asking that we be made holy. And he's asking that we walk in unity with one another and with him and the Father. And we need to ask ourselves, do I love him enough that I'd be willing to do that? Do I love him enough that I'd be willing to walk in unity with my brothers and sisters in the name of Christ so that the whole world will know that we're his disciples by our love for one another, will I walk in unity? And so, of course, there's all the messages in their right that unity is not about total agreement. You may have some doctrinal things that are very important to you, and I may read them in the Bible a different way. But the main thing is the main thing, and that is that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. That faith Eternal life is only available through faith in Jesus, that we believe in the death, the burial and the resurrection of Christ and that God, after all the weight of all the sins of all the world were laid on Jesus and our sin literally killed him and put him in that grave, that by the power of God that he was raised up and that all that sin was forgiven and obliterated, cast as far as the east is from the west, and that all who come into Christ get to be forgiven, that we are made clean as without a single fault. That's what we get. And you got to think, like, after he did all that, can we not walk in unity and just say, okay, so there may be some things we don't see eye to eye on, but the main things we see eye to eye on. We see Jesus Christ as high and lifted up. We see Jesus Christ on the right hand, at the right hand of the Father, who is praying for us even right now in this moment. He is praying for us. So this big reveal shows us the heart of Christ. And this is so much the challenge for all of us that no matter what comes our way, that we walk with the mind of Christ, that we walk with our heart focused on him so that every challenge that comes our way, we are able to walk in holiness. We are able to walk in perfect unity, that we are able to show the father and bring the father glory because of what Christ has done for us. It's no easy task, but with God's help, we can do hard things. I want to give you today's truth and ask that you just really hang on to it and reflect on it because life is in it. Jesus revealed the Father to us so that we can be made complete in him. I'm out of time, I've got to go, but I say goodbye. And God bless you. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. 
To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.